Bruchim Aboyim B'Shem Hashem B'Rachnuchem V'Es Hashem Weekly, we mean weekly, Wednesday night cheer. Of course, dedicated to, as we've been for the last few months, Nachm Yaakov Ben Tzihir Shalom V'Shalom and Rav Sheva Chana Bas Ibod L'Chaim Avram Shirche Arich Hashem V'Shalom Parashat Shmois, we're starting embarking on the new book. We're going into Exodus, we're going out of Exodus. <laughs> it's all about Exodus. Exodus takes different forms and fashion in each and every person. There's, each person has their own personal exodus, their own personal exile that they need to go out of. The Alter Rebbe tells us in Tanya, Chol der v'der, Chol yem v'yem, Chayev odom nidas esatzme, Kilo yotzim v'hayem v'mitzrayim. Each generation, each day, a person needs to see themselves as if they are leaving today Egypt. Very, very powerful. Because the fact is, if you remember the uh, story that we made, that we told about the rabbit in the ditch that, needed, that had a ladder of 19 rungs. And every day it would go up one rung and fall down two. Excuse me, go up two and fall down one. Every day it would go up two rungs and fall down one. How many days would it take to get out of the ditch? So obviously everyone will tell you, if it's 19 rungs, and it takes, each day it makes progress of one rung, so it's 19 days. But that's wrong. Because it's 18 days. Because on the 18th day it goes up two rungs, it's out of the ditch already. It doesn't go back, it doesn't fall back down again. So, I left Mitzrayim. If I left Mitzrayim yesterday, what am I doing in Mitzrayim today? I left Egypt yesterday. What am I doing back there? How am I leaving it again today if I left it yesterday? And obviously this is this much discussed about this, how it works, how it goes back and forth, how each and every day the person does go back into their own Mitzrayim, their own personal Mitzrayim, and therefore each and every day one needs to th- thrive and strive and work and develop the Kayach, the strength, to remove ourselves, to take ourselves out of that personal Egypt that we are in that day. <coughs> Until which should be tonight, uh, before the year finishes. This Shabbos also Shabbos Mevarachim Shvat. is next Shabbos, the following Shabbos. Well, the customs, amongst the customs, the mini Chabad, on Shabbos of we say the entire Tehillim before Shachris. Whoops. Shabbos Mivarachim Shvat signifies also the departure of Chedesh Teves. Within the departure of Chedesh Teves, this Shabbos, this Sunday, Mitzvah is Chav Dalit Teves. The yard side of the Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe, and obviously it's only it's only going to work for us to tell you this week now, in this year, the, the something about the Alter Rebbe rather than next week, which will be several days after the yard side of the Alter Rebbe. There are many many people from throughout the world, Kolkatsvi table, something that the world that the concept of travel has opened up, and the obviously the 
iron curtain going down between the wall going between the travel going up and the wall going down. Many many people make pilgrimage to the Al Rebbe's cave in Hadic. It's <laughs> today. It's it's a whole city. Today they built up around the oil. They built up a whole shul, and, and it's, it's a happening place. When I was there back in 1994, in Tafshin and Dalit, it was a field, a field that you had to go down the steps. It was the summertime, so we weren't slipping and sliding in the mud. But you went down these makeshift steps, a path, and you travel. you walked till the oil. Now, obviously, this was a cemetery that's totally decimated. And therefore, I don't say that Kahanim cannot go there, because all around them must have been graves. <coughs> but whatever is there is there, whoever paskins, whatever they paskin, it's up to them. Um, but yes, it is definitely an experience to go and to be by the Alter Rebbe. I will repeat a story that we've told probably several times before about the Alter Rebbe, which has to do basically with his talkers, which also teaches us that the istalkus of a tzaddik, when a tzaddik passes away, when a tzaddik physically leaves Baal Madain, it doesn't necessarily mean he left. Stories of two fellows, two young men, chavrusas, study partners, that sat in yeshiva, went together to yeshiva, and from childhood on, they thrived. They were good heads, bright boys, they learned well, they studied well, and did the things right. And they continued that way. Through Cheda, through Mesifta, or known as Yeshiva Ketana, and they studied Gimara together, and they started getting bigger, they started getting smarter, and they decided to maybe take a break a little bit from their Gemara and taste the world of commerce. Get a little bit into business. What we could do without the IRS, with the IRS, basically how it works. And <laughs> they started handling and doing business and going out of their element, shall we say, leaving their four cubits of home, of their shtetl, and whatever they touched turned to gold. They were extremely, extremely successful, Baruch Hashem. Unfortunately, success gets to people's heads. And especially when it comes to money. And especially when it comes to businesses that are real, and they needed to travel, and they went to different shows in different cities, and saw different items, commerce, sale, and they got exposed to the elements, to the elements not being the weather. And they started rubbing elbows with the aristocrats, the aristocrats and the uh, politicians. 
Not always did it serve their purpose to go around with the yarmulke. Not always did it serve their purpose to have a beard and pay his scissors. So eventually, things started to dissipate in their world of, Judea- of Jude- Judaism, of religion. And unfortunately, they started to wander. But the money was good. They were making a lot of money. They made a lot, a lot of money. And they left pretty much everything behind. Their tefillin, their kosher standards, their Shabbos, their Yom Tif, it was all Nebuch. But yeah, they were traveling back to their original town for a meeting, for a big business meeting that they really were going to now make it big. But you don't travel at night in those days, even in the summertime. So as night started to settle, they came to an inn in the city of Piena. They came to the inn, and they came in, and the innkeeper is a big, husky fellow, showed them to their room. <coughs> they asked, uh, do you have any food? And he says, are you guys Jewish by chance? I guess their nose gave it away. And they said, yes, so what? What of it? Well, if you want, I have a friend here that does cooking for kosher food also. I can bring you kosher meals. It'll take a little longer, it'll take about a half hour. If you don't mind waiting. They looked at each other, they looked at him and they said, Mister, don't trouble yourself. Whatever you got, bring it on. Some good meat, some good wine. You won't. You, you don't eat kosher. He said, "No, we haven't kept kosher in years." Okay, says the innkeeper. And he walks out of the room, and suddenly they hear he's locking the door from the outside. How awkward, how strange. And they hear a cackle. They hear him laughing. He said, welcome to my inn. The last stop inn, it's called. We get passerbys like you all the time. I have a beautiful cemetery in my backyard. Don't worry. Finish your night, finish your day, whatever it is. Time will come, I will come back with my sons. We finish you off. We'll take your money, and we'll go back to, and we leave you in our backyard. The guys started to tremble. Ha ha! How could this be? How do they fall into this? I mean, the inn was a you know, it was compared to an inn in those days. This was a nice inn. It was a little bit on the outskirts of the city, but but. Literally to fall into a band of robbers, murderers like this in the middle of a. And they realized that their last moments are coming before their eyes. And they started to pray. They started to daven whatever they could remember from their siddur. Whatever they remembered from their tilim. They started to daven and to cry and to beg the banish to them. How far have we stooped? What has become of us? 
I have a very sensitive recorder. It picks up voices from very far. They don't care. And they started pushing the Duchuva. I said, if you save our lives, we will return. Money will mean nothing to us. We'll go back to yeshiva, we'll go back to learning, we'll go back to kashras and Shabbos and Yom Tif. We want to do tshuva for everything that we've ever done. Rebbeinu Shalom, save us. And they cried and cried bitter, bitter tears. After about a half an hour, they hear the door being unlocked. And they hear mud several voices, they know they're not going to, they can't fight their way out of this. That guy, the innkeeper himself, probably could have eaten them for lunch. And he's coming out with his sons, Oivavoy. The door opens up, there's the innkeeper, who they could imagine now is a Malach himself, the angel of death. And he's there with a tray of food smoking, delicious smelling food. They're petrified. We're dealing with Jekyll and Hyde here. What's going on here? He puts down their food and he says to them, this is kosher, don't worry, you can eat this. They said, what's going on? Just a half hour ago you were ready to kill us and now you're feeding us kosher food. What? Many years ago, he says, a different group of Jews showed up in my inn. Not like you, with beards and coats and hats. And they told me that they needed a a place for their Rebbe, for their leader, to sleep. He's not well. And I went out to the wagon of the Rebbe, the leader, and I wanted to see, maybe they're pulling my leg. I must tell you, I never saw, I mean, I'm not Jewish, but I never saw spirituality, I never saw such holiness in my life. My life, I never saw something so holy. His presence. And I had the audacity, the chutzpah, he says, to tell him, I will take you gladly in my inn, but I want three things, three blessings. Blessing number one is I should have long life. Blessing number two, I guess blessing number one was the other way around. Blessing number one was, my son should not be drafted in the army. Number two, I should be blessed with long life and health. And number three, that the inn should prosper. And the Altarebbe agreed, he gave me the blessings. And I got to tell you, I'm well over 80 years old and you've never noticed it. My son was a very well-built fellow and he went to get drafted in the army. He walked in there, they threw him out like a dog with no reason. And the inn, thank God, has prospered. But the Altarebbe told me, he says, that I have a request from you. If ever should come to you two Jews that are obviously not going in the path of our fathers, and that are prepared to even eat, God forbid, not kosher food, teach them a lesson to put them back on their track. You, my fellow people, are the first two Jews to show up 
since that time that fit the description that the Rebbe mentioned. And therefore, I needed to teach you that lesson as my promise to the Alter Rebbe so that you to return where you belong. The two people became chassidim later of the Rebbe, Rashab, Rebbe Marash, the fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe. No, the third Chabad Rebbe. But they were already a generation and a half later from the Alter Rebbe's Nostalkus. The Alter Rebbe had passed away already decades before this story. And yet the Alter Rebbe had the foresight that this very inn will be the place where two Jews will need their souls saved. This is shall we say a drop in the bucket of the greatness of the Alter Rebbe. So this Shabbos, this Sunday is Chavdal Tevis, as we said. The Alter Rebbe is Yahrzeit. Yoga Naleno, as they say. But more so, as we just heard, we can rely on brachas from the Alter Rebbe. I actually had one of my friends going to Hadich, and I sent with him my family's names to daven for us there as I did for the many people when I went there and it was a very very uplifting experience actually we went to the mikveh there by, in Hadich there was no mikveh we went to the lake it was an experience it was summertime it wasn't so bad but we had to go down the whole hill to the lake on the bottom of the hill you can't even see the cave from there. And that's where we went to Mikveh. Because we'd been traveling for overnight. So we had to sleep somewhere in the bus. We must have fallen asleep. We travel. Talking of travel, we travel on today on planes, on buses, on all the different modern technologies. Today you get trains in Europe that go earth-shattering speeds and get you from place to place that used to take horse and buggy a week, two weeks, takes it today two or three hours. But in the olden days they traveled on horses, on camels, and the very poor people traveled on donkeys. And we open up this week's Parsha, and the Pasha tells us Mesha is traveling to Egypt. Mesha came to the burning bush. If I'm not mistaken, we have a burning bush now also. He's not coming to the inauguration. Is that true? I don't know. One of the former presidents said he's not going to make it to the inauguration. Or maybe it was Reagan. Is he still alive? No? Oh, so it must have been a bush. Anyway. 
After the story, the episode of the burning bush, and Moshe Rabbeinu goes down with his wife and children to Egypt. Tells us the Tere Vayikach Moshe as Ishtev as Bonav. Moshe takes, this is chapter 4, verse 20. He takes his wife, his sons, Vayarkivim al Hachamoir, and he mounts them on the donkey, not on a donkey, on the donkey. Yashvatsa Mitzrayim and starts to travel journey to Egypt. So now Rashi, the champion of the Benchamish, the Mikra, jumps on this and says, Al Hachamer, on the donkey. When it says Ha, says Rashi, it means a special one. It points to something special. So Rashi says, Al Hachamer, Hamer, Hamiyuchod. The special donkey. He was in the Donkey Hall of Fame. Is there such a thing? You have to worry. They might just become one. And they'll say it started here. Uh, can, you, can I trouble you for a cup of grapefruit juice, please? Then continues Rashi. Huachamur. This is the same donkey. Shechovash Avram Lakedis Yitzchak. That Avram saddled for Akedis Yitzchak when he went to take Yitzchak, thank you very much, to the altar. No, it's not fresca. It's not fresca. Don't get excited. Vehu. And this donkey, says Rashi, continues. Rashi is getting on this uh, donkey is getting a lot of publicity. In the future, Melech HaMashiach will be revealed to us on this donkey. Shenemar, as the Pasik says, Oni Verechev Al Chamer. Oni referring to Melech HaMashiach. will be riding on the donkey. Says Rashi a tremendous thing here to the Bechamesh the Mikra. Hachamer, what made this donkey so famous? It was the same donkey that Avram Avinu used a couple of hundred years before. It's the same donkey that in a couple of thousand years from there will be used by Mashiach. Amen. Now, simply, Rashi's intention is to explain the word Hachamer, the Hey, Hayadiyah, what is this famous donkey? And therefore he says, Hamer Hamiyucha, the special donkey. Then Rashi goes on to explain what is so special about this donkey. And he tells us Avram and Mashiach, etc. If that is the case, that Rashi is explaining to us about this donkey, then the Dibur HaMaschal, the title of the Rashi, should have been HaChamur, the donkey. But that's not the title of the Rashi. 
The title of the Rashi is Al Hachamer on the donkey. So let us first understand why does he add in the title of the Rashi in the caption Al on. Perhaps, perhaps we could say Rashi only wanted to explain the word Hachamer. And also the whole story here is a little bit of a shock. If you're keeping score at home, the Gemara Megillah, Davtes Amir Aleph, page 9, side 1. The Gemara Megillah says, says in the Pasuk, it says, Shepasuk Zeh, this Pasuk, Huwechna Pesukim Sheshinaz Kenim Kashatirgim Zatera Ivetalmai HaMelech. The horrible, horrible episode when the Greek king Talmai called in the elders. There you go. He's got his Megillah. Okay. Called in his, his called in the elders. Put them in separate rooms and asked them to translate the Chamishe Chumshe Teira. Tessa Meralev. On nine side one. The Chachamim were on different rooms. Side two? Oh, it's three pages of it? Okay. The Chachamim were in different rooms. They did not concur beforehand anything that they were going to write. However, they altered several words of the Teda in their translations. We're not going to go through the rest of them. We're just right now using this one, the Al HaChamer, Vayakivim Al HaChamer. Instead of translating Vayakivim Al HaChamer on the donkey, they wrote Vayakivim Al Neisib Adam on a transportation, on something that carries people. Rashi and Tesfis right away get into this. The Skenim, these elders that wrote this translation, did not want to write the word Chamer. Because then Talmai would ask them, seriously? You're talking about Meshe Rabbeinu here, the leader of the Jewish nation. We hear so much about how holy he was and how great he was. He didn't have an entourage of horses. He didn't have a caravan of, car- of, of camels, wagons, chariots, on a donkey he had to go. So they were concerned that he would ask this question. So they took a, middle, a medium path. And they wrote on a transportation. So obviously, the reason that he took a chamer and not the others, a horse or a camel, we need to understand. One of the commentaries on Rashi is Ebenezer. 
Eben Ezra explains here another point that needs to be understood. And he writes as follows. It's an embarrassment that the leader of the Jewish nation needed to put his wife and his children on this one donkey. And between the lamppost, it doesn't say that the caravan consisted of anything else. So where did all the furniture go? Where did all their clothing go? So obviously this also was piled onto this very same donkey. So now maybe we understand, maybe we can say, why Rashi brings out the Pasuk also, Al-Hachamer, to stress that this explanation needs an answer. How did Moshe get so much on this one donkey? Not a horse, not camels. And therefore, Rashi explains, it wasn't the everyday donkey. It was a stretch donkey. You know, they have stretched limos. This is a stretch donkey. I'll be pushing the explanation there. That's not uh, someone to take me serious on that one. That's all I need. It wasn't the regular donkey. And if Rashi would say that, then questions, flags start flying. If he writes, it was a, a designated donkey, the one that Avram used. So we understand already this is a different type of everyday, not an average donkey, because if Avram used it a couple of hundred years ago, then if that's the case, and I tell you, Ben Chamesh the Mikra, this is, a, is one heck of a donkey, and I know, I tell the Chamesh the Mikra, the donkey lived over 300 years, I can understand how Avram, how Moshe got his wife, his children, and all his furniture on top of his donkey. He wasn't an average donkey. Still need to get bare knuckles here, though. Why did Moshe not take a bunch of donkeys, horse, camel, something, to take at least his wife and his children? Why Dafka the, sh- the special donkey? And you know what? Let's be honest. If you have a special ca- car, you don't just take anybody in that car. If you have a special guitar, you have a guitarist. And you have a guitar from, I don't know, from Elvis Presley. Do you play guitar? I don't know. We get. We got to get... Someone Google that quick. Anyway, I don't care. I was just the point. You don't let any schmo bagel play it. It has to be. Here is 
donkey Peli, the, the super donkey. So if you tell me Moshe is using super donkey, what do I assume? That Moshe rode the donkey. Now it makes sense. That jives. For a Moshe Rabbeinu to ride such a holy donkey, I know I used it. But that's not what Tate is telling us. Tata tells us, he took his wife and his children, he put them on the donkey, he walked. He himself wasn't on the donkey even. So now we have much more to question, the question gets stronger. Why did Moshe need to use such a special donkey for his wife and his kids? He could have hired any donkey for them. For him himself, okay. He himself would ride a holy donkey because he himself was a holy person. We can all relate to that. Elsewhere it's once explained that the fact that Rashi is not sa- satisfied by saying that this is the Khmer that Mashiach is going to use Rashi uses he tells us that it's special donkey that Avram used and that Mashiach is going to use. Would it not be sufficient to tell us that it's a special donkey because Mashiach is going to be using it? Why add Avram's episode? It's a nice thing but it would be more than enough sufficient to explain, to elaborate, and to clarify the specialness of it, if Mashiach is going to write on it. Why did he need to add that this is the one that he, Avram used for Akedas Yitzchak? Now Avram went a lot of places. He was always traveling. So it doesn't say this was Avram's regular donkey. This was his donkey that he used for Akedas Yitzchak, a special, special occasion. So what is this teaching us extra? That is something special to God. That God would want that Moshe himself should use this special donkey. Maybe Maybe we can explain. Because the Khmer was designated for the Gula Asida, for the ultimate redemption, and therefore it's designated for as well to take the Jews out of the redemption of, of Egypt. But the truth is, there's something much more, much deeper with this donkey. And this is as follows. The Pasuk tells us that before the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent Moshe to Egypt, seven days Moshe was standing there at the burning bush having it out with Abishta. In the beginning, Moshe was not ready to accept the mission. 
Seven days, this conversation went back and forth. So what was the answer that Hashem gives him? Hashem sends him the special donkey. And this is the donkey that Avram used for Kedis Yitzchok to show him that just like a Kedis Yitzchok, Avram had no questions. <laughs> no way. No. Why would he marry to such a donkey? No. Uh-uh. No can do. Question was sent in. Was Bilam using the same donkey too? No, Bilam did not deserve this donkey. And besides, Moshe was still using it. <laughs> Didn't he come to curse the Jews? I mean, it's a special donkey, but he can't be two places at once. <laughs> it's ironic. I'm going to get castigated for this one. In Yiddish, there's an expression, mit ein tuches kemenish tanzenes with one rear end, you can't dance two weddings. So, um, we obviously know how to say rear end in, 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 a, in a not proper way that I can't say online in the middle of a shear. So obviously the one cannot be in two places. Anyway. <laughs> oh boy. Can anybody delete that one? Get my technician in here. Anyway. So the Abishta gives him this special donkey that was used for Akedis Yitzchak to show him that just like Avram Avinu did not hesitate, not only did not hesitate, he got up early in the morning and he was jumping, he was doing, he himself loaded the donkey. Not he waited for one of his servants. So much more so in our situation. That if Moshe had any complaints to do what the Abishta wanted, to do it with Simcha Shalim, wait a minute. I just got your message again. No. Oh, okay. I got it. I think. I don't know what I got. This phone is not mine. It makes too much noise. So much more so, Meshach Rabbeinu should have done this in, in joy. So now we can therefore say, Vayakive Malhachamer, only was his wife and his children, not Meshach himself. Because only is something that was out of the ordinary, like this, taking his wife, his children, with the whole house, the whole family, and all their property and everything else, all their clothing, on this one donkey. This tells us that this is a special, one-of-a-kind donkey. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu served up for Moshe. But if it would just say that Moshe rode on the donkey, so we'd explain simple, that because it was a donkey used for Geula in the future, therefore it will used for now for Geula as well. And you wouldn't know that any special message from the Abishta. 
But there's an inner explanation to this, a deeper explanation. I had a very interesting, I don't know if I said it yet. Somebody asked me, he wants to make a dreidel, the Hanukkah Sevivon, which in America has on it Nun Gimel Heishin, which is an acronym for Neis Gadol Hayasham. In Israel it's Nun Gimel Hei Pei, Neis Gadol Po. Great miracle happened here. He wants to make a dreidel. You ready for this one? He wants on it four letters, Pei, Reish, Dalid, and Samach. Which makes the word Pardis. Pardis is very, very Kabbalistic. And not for now to go into, because she is dwindling down and we have so much more to say. But Pardis is Pshat, Remez, Drush, and Said. Four ways of studying Torah, either through regular Pshat, through the Remez, the hint of it, the Drush, how we can actually learn things out, derive from it, and the Said, the deep secrets of Torah. And when he wants to play a game, is you open a Gemara, you open a Mishnah, and you spin your dreidel, and whatever it lands on, that's how you have to explain that Mishnah or Gemara, either through Pshat or Remez or Drush or Said. Good luck with that, young man. Don't invite me for any games. But on the premise of this explanation, the first should bring down is brought down from the Maral Prague. Chamer refers to the Chamer, the physical physicality of the world, and this is the general connection between Geula and Chamer. The main point, a factor of Geula is the revelation of, of holiness, of the Almighty's holiness in the physical world. So much so that the Gashmi, the physical, the Chamer will become a vessel for spirituality, for holiness. And this is the Navis tells us, And the Almighty's honor will be revealed. All physical flesh will see this together, for this came from the Almighty's mouth. Talchereva brings down in Tanya, the preparation for this galus, for the Er HaGula, the light of Gula, started already 2,000 years ago. And the time, over the time, the world is getting higher and higher. which makes the world closer and closer and more and more fit to be a vessel for Mashiach. Till we'll have it all done right. And this is the hint in our union. Avram, Moshe, 
Mashiach, all using the same donkey. And we know the difference between them. In the time of Avram, he brought down the Kedusha in the physical world. Literally, right in the beginning. Simple explanation of the passage, the Khmer carried the wood and the everything that was needed for the Akedah. Avram himself also did not mount the donkey. Yitzchak also not. Not even the servants, because they were not yet a kesher between Avram and his family, the Khmer. But the Khmer served all the side things, the fire, the wood, this, and the knife, and everything was piled onto them. In the time of Mesha, the world was already more ready, and therefore on it goes his wife and his children. Ishei Kigufei. His wife is like himself. But in the end, he himself does not get on. When Mashiach comes, the Post Rashi is telling us Osid Melech HaMashiach Legalis Olov that Melech HaMashiach himself would ride on the donkey for the donkey the Gashmias of the world will then be a total vessel for the light of Mashiach in the whole and complete fashion Yiru Inyane V'Yismach Livenu Inyaneinu V'Yismach Livenu Meheda V'Yameinu and as today is the Rambam's yard site Chof Teves and Rambam finishes his Rambam in Yad Chazaka. Umala Oret Deyas Hashem Kamayim Layom Mechasim that the whole world will be filled and everything as the water will cover everything over. The water referring, of course, the waters of Teda. Let us delve into a little bit of the Pasha itself so that someone has what to say about the Shabbos table. Because anybody dares to try to repeat what I just said now by the Shabbos table, they're going to have either people throwing matzo balls at them or just falling asleep. Meish Rabbeinu sees a mitzri hitting a Jew. And the Pasuk says, Vayifen He turns this way and that way, Vayark he sees no man, and he vayetmenu bechel. Excuse me. He pronounces one of God's names, and the guy just disintegrates into the ground. Now, the literal translation of the pasuk. Wow. Vayif and He turned this way. He turned right. He turned left, and he saw nobody looking at him. So he took care. Of, he took care of him. If people were watching, he couldn't kill him. Rashi explains, Ish, that he saw nobody ever going to be Megayer from this guy's future. He saw this fellow's future generations, nobody will ever convert to Judaism. And therefore, he's not, there was no reason to let him live. Uh, Rashi, get your facts straight. You are here to tell us Pshat in the Pasuk. He saw no person. He saw nobody there. What are you telling me about he saw future generations? 
How does that come to Bechamah Shemikah? How are you explaining to the simple explanation of the Pasuk, future generations? The Sifzich HaChamim is a little commentary on Rashi that likes to dissect Rashi. And he also sheds light on a lot of Rashis. He's a very beautiful explanation which takes things in a very simple form. And the Sifzichacham says that there are different levels of person. Person is referred to as Adam, Enoish, Ish, etc. Ish being the highest. Highest level of a person is Ish. No. So Rashi has a question. The Pesach says, Vayarki Ish. Means the highest level of tzaddik. Why do you look for an ish? He was looking for an adam. adam. There was no people around. What's v'yarkein ish? That highest level. So Rashi says very simple. V'yarkein ish means he saw there was nobody coming to convert out of this person. He saw there was nobody holy coming out of this person. Because where else are you talking about Ish over here? You can't be talking about Ish here in Mitzrayim. There was no Ish anywhere there. There was nobody holy there. They were all sinning. So that's why Rashi explains to the Bechamish the Mikra, why are you asking me about Ish? Why are you referring to Ish, the holiest level, the highest level? After the next day, when two Jews get into a little scuffle, and one Jew raises his hand to the other, Meisha says to him, Russia, evil man, wicked man, Lomo, why are you hitting your friend? And all the explanations, all the explanators tell us, he did not hit him. He merely raised his hand to him. He raised his hand to hit him, and Meisha considered that as if he hit him. So the fellow turns to Meshach and says, what are you going to do, kill me like you killed the Egyptian? Says the Pasuk in chapter 2, verse 14. Meshach saw that, oh no, someone knows about this. Dog says Rashi, he was worried, Al-Sherab, Yisrael, he saw amongst the Jews Rishoyim the Latrin. Wicked people. And when he said, Me'ata from now, Shema Einam Le'uyim Li'goyal. Maybe they are not fit to be redeemed. Meshach was scared, not for his life. He was scared perhaps that the people are so wicked that they don't deserve to be redeemed and who knows how much longer they're going to stay here. We find the Chazal that the Golos Mitzrayim was between the Bnei Yisrael. Amongst the Bnei Yisrael were all different types of sinners. People that served Avi the Zara. But everybody got redeemed. Now if the sin of Avi the Zara did not hold back the Jews from being redeemed, why would Lashon Hara hold back the Eden? 
Moshe heard the Jews talking Lashon Hara, and he said Lashon Hara is going to hold us back from going out of Golos. They were doing so many worse sins, it looked like. Lashon Hara is what's going to hold them back. But the fact is that the Jews were definitely fit to go out, to be redeemed. Even if they sinned, Rahman al-Sam, with all the other sins. Why would Lashon Hara hold them back from being redeemed? Because the sin of Lashon Hara causes a tremendous, a horrific, horrific ripple, a horrific effect. What was the concept that the Almighty chooses the Jews out of, to take them out of Egypt? When it says by Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, why did he choose them? Because they were You were a nation. And it says, I came to take a nation from within a nation. Until that point, they were dispersed. They were different people, different entities, but all one family. And this made them a, a nation. And the Am, this one nation, is what got taken out of Egypt. However, now we understand. Lashon Hara causes Pirid Halavavis, causes separation, causes animosity, causes hatred, causes deterioration amongst peers, amongst fellow Jews. It it destroys unity, and thereby leaving it not as an am, not as a nation. If this has would be the case, the Almighty might not choose the Jews, take them out. Only if there be achtos, and therefore, Meisha was worried and concerned that this sin of Lashon Hara could, God forbid, cause the redemption to be pushed off. It's a very tough thing, Lashon Hara. Very, very hard not to say it. No matter what you know about another person, no matter what you think you know about another person, no matter what you've seen factual or you've heard here say firsthand, one may not repeat Lashon Hara about a fellow Jew. It kills three people, the one that says it, the one that hears it, and the one that's said about. And therefore, may we take merit in the schus of the Rambam, and the schus of the Alterebe, that we all come to peace, so that we can merit the Yeshu B'Sukkah Achas, that we can sit in this one Sukkah, united, arm in arm, and everybody forgive and forget, and everybody let bygones be bygones and move on ahead, move ahead, so that we can all be one nation. Sheves, Achim, Gam Yochad, and Yerushalayim, Yerakedish, Chaim, Shabbat, Shalom to all.